Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Welcome to the Bread of the Word podcast, a podcast striving to feast on God's Word and let the Bible speak to us all. Let us, as a former generation said, go ad fontes to the fountain and be nourished and sustained by all that God is. Let's dig in together. Hello and welcome back to the Bread of the Word podcast where we go ad fontes to the fountain to the Word of God to be nourished and sustained by all that God is as he has revealed himself to us. My name is Tyler and we are continuing with our trek through the Song of Solomon coming to chapter 5. And we will be reading all the way through verse 8. I'm sorry, 9. So starting with verse 1. I have come to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gather my myrrh with my spices. I eat my honeycomb with my honey. I drink my wine with my milk. And the narrator states, Eat, friends, drink, be intoxicated with caresses. The words of the woman, I was sleeping, but my heart was awake. A sound, my love was knocking. The words of the man, Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is drenched with dew. My hair with droplets of the night. Back to the woman. I have taken off my clothing. How can I put it back on? I have washed my feet. How can I get them dirty? My love thrust his hand through the opening, and my feelings were stirred for him. I rose to open for my love. My hands dripped with myrrh. My fingers with, with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my love, but, but, but my love had turned away. My heart sank because he had left. I sought him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. The guards who go about the city found me. They beat and wounded me. They took my cloak from me, the guardians of the walls. Young women of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my love, tell him that I am lovesick. Words of the young women. What makes the one you love better than another, most beautiful of women? What makes him better than another that you would give us this charge? Once again, we are dealing with strange language in the Song of Solomon. Absolutely. This is, again, this is language that, this is not how we talk. <clears throat> but starting with verse 1, I have come to my garden, my sister, my bride. I eat my honeycomb, I drink my wine with milk. This is all reiteration of language we saw in chapter 4 last week. Um, verse 12 of chapter 4, My sister, my bride, you are a locked garden and a sealed spring. I eat my honeycomb. Your, verse 11, Your lips do up sw drip sweetness like the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue. 
The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. He is reiterating the beauty that he sees in his bride. This being Christ to the church. This is the beauty that he sees in his people, in his covenant people that he has ransomed with his blood. And the narrator states, Eat, friends, drink, be intoxicated with caresses. That's That, that sounds weird, but um, when we see the narrator or young women of Jerusalem or something like that, this is another way of expressing the poetic dynamics. That this is kind of taking a pause from the male, the man-woman dialogue to kind of speak to the audience of what's going on. Uh, this is just brief poetic expression of the theme. Eat, drink, be intoxicated with each other. Again, the uh, the theme we've been we've been unpacking in the Song of Solomon is union and communion with Christ. And this idea of being intoxicated with Christ has run through the book. And it's it continues here. We are invited to be intoxicated, to be encapsulated by the beauties of Christ. If we go back to chapter 2, verse 5. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apricots, for I am lovesick. May his left hand be under my head, and his right arm embrace me. <clears throat> so we have this picture that the man is coming, coming to the woman. That there's been this kind of back and forth where um, they're together and they're apart, and this kind of alternates through the book we've been seeing. And so we come to verse 2, and the woman says, I was sleeping, but my heart was awake. First, stop right there. That is a, that is a phrase that can only be uttered by the regenerate. That is not something a lost person can say. I was sleeping, but my heart was awake. And in consulting other people, in consulting commentaries, and grappling with what is going on here, the best I can make sense of this is, again, we have a period where the wife, where the church woman does not feel as close to Christ as she would like to be that she feels in some very real sense apart from him, isolated, separated. So we have here a warning of declension in the individual life of the believer. When we are asleep, but our heart is awake. When we are spiritually alive, but then we enter into spiritual passivity. And we are functionally asleep. When we are lazy Christians, sleepy Christians. And the second half of verse 2, a sound, my love was knocking. And it goes back to the man, open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. We see that phrase, my dove, once again, which is a common um, line of endearment we're seeing from the man. In Hebrew, it's yonach, which we would transliterate as Jonah. Come to me, my Jonah, my the one I love. 
whom I take delight in. For my head is drenched with dew, my hair with droplets of the night. That is to say, it's it's early, it's morning. It is, morning has broken. We saw in chapter 4, verse 5, I'm sorry, verse 6, Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will make my way to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of frankincense. Morning is broken. The sun rises. He is drenched with the dew of the morning. The, the night is over. And he has come back for his bride. <clears throat> one of the... One of the beautiful things about Song Solomon is the way it illustrates how unhappy the Christian is apart from the presence of God. That being separated from him is being likened to night and being lonesome. But being with him, we see pictures of mornings and of nature, of gardens, of fruit trees. Verse 3, we go back to the woman. I have taken off my clothing. How can I put it back on? I have washed my feet. How can I get them dirty? My love thrust his hand through the opening, and my feelings were stirred for him. Again, this is strange language. But it's, again, this is parallelism. So we're seeing things laid out in twos to state something poetically. Now we're essentially reading in stereo. I have taken off my clothing. What does that mean? I have washed my feet. What does that mean? How can I put it back on? How can I make them dirty? How can we go back to what we were before Christ? How can we go back to what we were before we knew God? When we were in the world and of the world. Let's look at John 15 for a moment. It says, I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more fruit. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So remain in me. And I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. John 17 says, Sanctify them by thy truth, for thy word is truth. And the picture of, that is painted here in Song of Solomon is that Christ has made us clean. He has declared us pure. We talked about Ephesians 5 a couple weeks ago that Christ offered himself, that Christ is going to offer the church to himself pure and undefiled, without spot or wrinkle. So the picture here is of the purity of Christ's bride, that Christ is sanctifying his church, and that we, can, we can't go back to what we knew before, what we were before. 
Why? Because verse 4, My love thrust his hand through the opening, and my feelings were stirred up for him. Psalm chapter 40. I was actually... I woke up with this on my heart this morning. I started my day praying this psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and they will trust in the Lord. How happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud or to those who run after lies. Lord my God, you have done many things, your wondrous works and your plans for us. None can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. Psalm 37, 17. Sorry, 34, 17. says the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles the Lord is near the brokenhearted he saves those crushed in spirit one who is righteous has many adversities but the Lord rescues them from all he protects all his bones not one of them is broken evil brings death to the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be punished the Lord redeems the life of his servants and all who take refuge refuge in him will not be punished God has made himself known to us in such a way that those of us who are in Christ, we as believers, cannot go back. Because he has thrust his hand through the opening. He has reached, he has reached out for us. He has set our feet on the rock, making our steps secure. We are his. Verse 5, I rose to open for my love, and my hands dripped with myrrh. My fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. Again, we have this language of, anoint, of being anointed with oil. But these are the oils, again, that point us to the life and death of Christ. Because, they were, because frankincense and myrrh were presented to him at his birth, around his birth, and then they were also present at his death when they anointed his body for burial. Because that is what we are united with Christ in, is his life and his death. Romans 5 says that we are baptized into his death. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Colossians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. And the life I now live in the body, I live through the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For if righteousness came from the law, then Christ died for no purpose. We are clothed in the person work of Christ. That we are, we, we experience union with Christ because Christ has died in our place. And the righteousness we are clothed with is his. 
<clears throat> so when we respond to the call of the beloved, we respond to the call of the beloved as people he has clothed in his character, in his righteousness, in his goodness, because none of those things abide in ourselves. Verse 6, I opened to my love, but my love had turned and gone away. My heart sank because he had left. I sought him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. I believe the best way to understand this transition is a picture of spiritual declension. Those times where we are not as diligent in our walk with Christ as we, we maybe ought to be. Where we do not feel as close to Christ as we would like to be. And while our feelings don't define reality, what's painted here is that Christ has gone away. Christ has, there is not that same sweet communion with Christ because of sin, because of spiritual passivity. And it says, my heart sank. The Hebrew could otherwise be rendered as, my soul went out. That there is something missing, there is something wrong here. That to be apart from Christ is a deprivance that grieves us. And again, that is something that only the believer can know. Because God opens our eyes to that reality. That apart from him, we can do <clears throat> nothing. And so she, the churchwoman resolves to seek him, to call to him, <clears throat> to seek the Lord while he may be found. Jeremiah 20, uh, 29, 11. You know, we all know that at verse. We throw it out at graduation a lot of times. I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans to prosper you and not for disaster. We jump down to verse 13, which is also very interesting. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Just as, just as the woman here is seeking for the man, for Christ, because she is deprived, she is hollow without him, so we should apply the same diligence to seeking the face of Christ in the ups and the downs. I sought him, but did not find him. I, I called him, but he did not answer. Verse 7, the guards who go about the city found me. And if you remember verse chapter 3, we saw this line in reference to um, what I believe to be the pastors, the, the ministers of the word. The guards who go about the city found me. Same lineage, same verbiage here. But it takes a transition. They beat me and wounded me. They took my cloak from me. The guardians of the wall. Are we talking about the same people? I would say yes and no. I, I would take this as an, a picture, a word picture for 
false teachers, for those who claim to represent the people of God, who set themselves as guardians on the walls, as watchmen on the wall, but inwardly are ravenous as wolves. <clears throat> when those who extort the gospel, who subvert the word of God, who, as it says in Jude, turn the gospel into sensuality, it is, you might say, abusive to the bride of Christ. And so the Christian who is asleep, the Christian who is in a period of declension, is vulnerable to those watchmen on the wall, who are inwardly ravenous as wolves. Things don't go well when we are not in fellowship with Christ. And one of the great problems when we are out of that fellowship with Christ is that we experience the world is we experience the world the world does not know Christ and so when we go out of the garden we find thorns and thistles we find dust It says in Psalm 119, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Revive me according to thy word. When the guards wound us, when they take our cloak, when they take our stuff, when just as the enemy steals, kills, and destroys, so the enemies of God's word steal and abuse. There is one husband to which we belong. Verse 8, Young women of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my love, tell him that I am lovesick, that I am weak. And the young women, as we've looked at before, I believe to be those who have not yet come to Christ, that are in the world, of the world, but may be converted may be brought into the same marriage that is portrayed with the man and the woman. But they ask, what makes the one you love better than another, most beautiful of women? What makes him better than another that you would give us this charge? What makes Christ so much better than any other? What makes Christ superior? What is the loveliness of Christ that you would stick with this one? In some ways, that is the question of the Song of Solomon, is just how lovely is Christ? That we would favor him above any other. I can think of no better way to consider that than Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 
Deuteronomy chapter 9 says, Listen, Israel, today you are about to cross the Jordan to enter and drive out nations greater and stronger than you, with large cities fortified to the heavens. The people are strong and tall, the descendants of the Anakim. You know about them, and you have heard it said about them, who can stand up against the sons of Anak? But understand that today the Lord your God will cross over ahead of you as a consuming fire. He will devastate and subdue them before you. You will drive them out and destroy them swiftly, as the Lord has told you. So we've got basically marching orders. They're basically, um, this is like military strategy here. We are that the, the people of God, the Israelites, have been sent in to conquer. That, Christ, that God will go before them and deliver these nations into their hands. Verse 4, When the Lord your God drives them out before you, do not say to yourself, The Lord brought me in to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. Instead, the Lord will drive out these nations before you because of their wickedness. You are not going to take possession of their land because of your righteousness or your integrity. Instead, the Lord your God will drive out these nations before you because of their wickedness in order to fulfill the promise he swore to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness for you are a stiff-necked people remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God in the wilderness you have been rebelling against the Lord from the day you left the land of Egypt until you reached this place you provoked the Lord at Horeb, and he was angry enough with you to destroy you. When I went up to receive to the mountain to receive the stone tablets and the tablets of the covenant the Lord made with you, I stayed at the mountain forty days and forty nights. I did not eat food or drink water. On the day of the assembly, the Lord gave me the two stone tablets inscribed by God's finger. The exact words were on them which the Lord spoke to you from the fire on the mountain. The Lord gave me the two stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant at the end of the 40 days and 40 nights. What makes the one you love better than another? Well, first, because God has loved us. We love because Christ has loved us. We, we can love God because he has loved us in such a way that he has put within us the capacity to love him. The uh, the end of the book of John, after Peter has denied Christ three times, he has Christ has resurrected and he has come back to his disciples for a short time. In verse fifteen of John twenty one says, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more? than these. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And what's interesting in Greek is that the word love, there are about a dozen or so, I think, different kinds of love in Greek. I don't know all of them. But there are, there's a plurality of different kinds of love in ancient Greek. And the one that occurs here, do you love me, is phileo, which means brotherly love. Simon's son of John, do you phileo me? Yes, Lord, I phileo you. Feed my lambs, he said. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. 
shepherd my sheep, he told him. And he asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? But here he changes the word, and it goes from phileo to agape. Agape is a different kind of love. Agape is in reference to divine love, to the love of God. And so he asked Peter, do you love me as I love you? Why is he superior to all others? Why do we sing of this divine love of God, of all loves excelling? Because God did because God loved us in such a unique way that his love can't be reproduced outside of his work in people. That we can't love God except that he works in us. Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. Then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Christ is better. What makes the one you love better than another? It's Christ. What makes him better than another that you would give us his charge to find him? And the woman responds in verse 10, My love is fit and strong, notable among ten thousand. His head is purest gold, his hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves. Throwing back one of his terms of endearment for her. Beside flowing streams, washed in milk and set like jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice, mounds of perfume. His lips are lilies, dripping with flowing myrrh. His arms are rods of gold, set with beryl. His body is an ivory panel, covered with lapis lazuli. His legs are alabaster pillars, set on pedestals of pure gold. His presence is like Lebanon, as majestic as the cedars. His mouth is sweetness. He is absolutely desirable. This is my love, and this is my friend, young women of Jerusalem.
My love is fit and strong, she said. <clears throat> Notable among 10,000. I believe the King James puts that he is the fairest of 10,000. His head is pure as gold. His hair is wavy. And black as a raven. His eyes are like doves, beside flowing streams washed in milk and set like jewels. This picture here. You have a lot of talk of gold and beryl and precious things. Because Christ is the most precious. That she has... That the, the woman, who is us, is putting language to its to its limits to try to describe him. She runs out of things to say almost, because that is how great Christ is. So much so that in the beginning of verse six, the young women say. Where has your love gone, most beautiful of women? Which way has he turned? We will seek him with you. That she testifies to the loveliness of Christ, and the young women, the unconverted, are moved to seek him as well. And we went way over what I had anticipated we would cover in this episode. There's so much packed into this song from Solomon. <clears throat> My beloved is mine and I am his. He feedeth me among the lilies. Christ is altogether lovely. And we can love God because Christ loved us by giving himself for us. He died in our place, was raised from the dead, that we would rise with him and experience this sweet union and communion with the Christ who loved us perfectly. And we will love him the same way because of the change he has brought in our souls. This is my love, and this is my friend. Thank you for listening. This has been the Bread of the Word podcast. Bread of the Word is a podcast ministry striving to feed people the wonderful words of God, book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse, striving to let the word speak for itself. This ministry is also a member of the Truth and Love Network, a diverse fellowship of fellow podcasts of different theological backgrounds united in the gospel of God. For more from the Bread of the Word podcast or the Truth and Love Network, check out the links below and follow us on social media. Until next time, God bless. Matthew 4.4.